Welcome to the Brain and Body Health Podcast, where we discuss health issues and natural-based strategies to overcome them. Thanks for tuning in. I am Dr. Richard Huntsman, a chiropractic physician. Today we're going to talk about sleep problems. Now, a lot of people deal with sleep issues. About 30 to 40% of people deal with them all the time. And 90% of people report that they have sleep issues at some point in their life. So this is a really common thing for people to be struggling with. Now, I'm going to cover the most common uh, sleep issues that I deal with in the clinic, things that I've helped people manage. Um, But there are lots of different types. So this is by no means an exhaustive podcast on this issue. The first one I want to talk about is sleep apnea. Now, most people, if they have sleep apnea, they already know. They've, They've been tested on a sleep study. Some people don't. Now, if you're a heavy snorer, your wife or husband or you know, girlfriend, boyfriend says that you gasp during the night, um, that's a sign of sleep apnea. It's basically where you, you stop breathing for periods of time. Now, some people, it'll be you know, hundreds of times if per hour even that they're stopping breathing. So this leads to really unrestful sleep. Now, the most common cause or, or the most common cause that I help people with for sleep apnea is insulin resistance. Now, I've talked about insulin resistance a lot before. It's where the, the cells stop responding to insulin, it, pre-diabetes or diabetes. And what happens when, when we have insulin resist, resistance, people will literally get a swollen tongue, essentially. The fat cells in the muscle, or the fat cells start to infiltrate the muscle. And so that tongue gets bigger and bigger, and then it can block off the airway. That's one mechanism that could cause sleep apnea. That's why it's so tied to obesity. There are people that you know, are not obese that deal with sleep apnea, but most commonly someone that, that deals with this is, is going to be pretty overweight. And so that, those are the most common causes of this would be, you know, excess fat tissue causing the, the tongue to have issues, um, keeping the airway open. Now, other causes of sleep apnea would be um, certain medications. If you're taking a sedative, that can cause sleep apnea. Also, alcohol use um, can lead to sleep apnea, especially people that are drinking late at night, especially if they're drinking to the point where they're kind of sedated. That can cause sleep apnea as well. Basically, it just gets it so that the nerves aren't working as well as they should. They're not keeping that airway open. So solutions for sleep apnea, the first thing that you need to do is if you are overweight or if you do, even if you're what they call skinny fat, where maybe you're not real overweight, but you don't have a lot of muscle tone, um, too much fat tissue, you need to drop some weight um, or at least drop some fat. Um, low carb diet is my favorite for this using keto, using fasting, things like that to bring the blood sugar down, bring the insulin down and start getting that weight off. There's many people who have reversed their sleep apnea just by losing uh, that extra weight. And then the other thing to look at would be alcohol intake or, you know, your medications or their any of them that have sleep apnea as a side effect um, and discuss that with your doctor if that's the case. Uh, the next one I'm going to talk about is restless leg syndrome. Now, restless leg is awful for those who have dealt with it. This is one that I have dealt with myself at times, not too often, thankfully, but you just get to a point where your legs are just uncomfortable. feels like things are crawling up your legs, your legs are itchy. You just feel like you got to move them. Um, really, really uncomfortable syndrome. And it, it can affect both partners if, if you're sleeping with a spouse or, or, or a loved one, because you're sitting there tossing, turning, moving your legs a ton. 
I remember an episode of Seinfeld where they call it the Jimmy legs. Um, that's that's what they're they're referring to, or you know, the Jimmy arms that somebody had. But you, you get that where you just got to move the legs, and so now you're keeping your other, your spouse awake, your partner awake. Really, really difficult issue to deal with. Um, thankfully, I have seen success with this. So the first thing I always recommend to look at would be a magnesium deficiency. You know, there's a whole podcast episode on magnesium. You can go back and listen to it. But magnesium deficiency is the most common mineral deficiency besides iron. And I'm going to talk about iron in a second. And so most people will benefit from taking magnesium anyway. I have had quite a few people respond well to magnesium supplementation for restless leg. Now, with that, we'll mostly use, um, I've mostly used OptiMag is the product. And it, it has a few different forms of magnesium. Um, lately, I've been switching people to OptiMag Neuro. And the difference between the Neuro and the regular is the Neuro has a type of magnesium called L3 and 8. And you've heard me talk about it before. It's the magnesium that gets better into the brain. So it can have a bigger effect on the nervous system. Restless leg is a nerve issue at the root of it. So looking at magnesium, the other thing to look at would be iron deficiency. Iron anemias can lead to uh, restless leg syndrome because the the blood flow issue and you know the nerves aren't getting the the nutrients that they need the blood that they need and so they can start to have problems so those are the two first two things i would look at now there are medications that can cause restless leg again so look look at your medications um, look at their side effects if one of them has that listed um, be sure to talk to your doctor about that the other thing I would look at, sometimes we think it's, you know, we call it restless leg, but it's actually neuropathy. Now, neuropathy is a nerve condition most commonly um, known to be, you know, go along with diabetes. Um, there's lots of causes of neuropathy, but the nerve condition, you know, most of the time people associate it with pain, but there's other symptoms of neuropathy. It can just be, you know, feeling sensations that aren't there, like a tingling or a burning or you know, even, you know, something crawling up your leg. So neuropathy can mimic restless leg. So if you've tried other things and nothing seems to help your restless leg, you probably want to get evaluated for neuropathy. And, you know, there are getting more and more treatments for neuropathy. You know, we do laser therapy for neuropathy here in the office with great results. So that's one to look at. Uh, Other things you can do um, besides magnesium supplementation would be magnesium oil. I really like magnesium oil. The nice thing is you can make it yourself. Um, you basically just take a cup of water and a cup of Epsom salt and you know dissolve that Epsom salt in the water. Um, you know, heat it until it you know is completely dissolved. And it makes it's pretty thin, but it, it's a little oily. Epsom salt is part magnesium, and so that's getting the magnesium directly onto the legs. It will absorb down through the skin exercise before bed for some people can exacerbate it so you gotta look out for that but others it can work really well because you're getting that blood flow going you're getting that lymph flow through the legs like even something like a rebounder for a few minutes before bed um, some people respond really well too but again some people that will make it worse so you gotta look out for that Um, and then kind of along the same lines as the epsom oil would be like a warm bath with epsom salt in it just to help relax help calm things down Next, let's get into insomnia. Now, there's lots of different kinds of insomnia. Um, I'm mainly going to talk about chronic insomnia, but let's touch on acute for just a minute. This would be, you know, someone who generally has 
good sleep and then all of a sudden they can't sleep. We call that acute insomnia. Most commonly this is caused by stress. Um, this will be something where they've you know, lost their job, they, you know, something happened in their personal life, you know, just whatever. Usually acute issues of insomnia are pretty quick, caused by stress, and they, you know, once the stress is resolved, they go away. If you're dealing with, you know, just suddenly you can't sleep and there isn't something real stressful going on, consult with your doctor. There could be something that that you need to work on. Um, There are medical conditions that can cause this. So, but most of the times when we see this, the person knows exactly uh, why they can't sleep, whether it's a financial issue or, you know, personal issue, whatever it is. So work on those, those issues, and usually the, the acute insomnia will go away. Now, these acute insomnias can turn into chronic insomnia. So let's talk about the, the two main types of that that I see. The first would be onset insomnia. This is where you can't fall asleep. Uh, most of the time, these people say, yeah, once I fall asleep, I'm good, but it takes me hours to get there. I, I think generally from what I've read, most people should fall asleep within 20 to 30 minutes of going to bed. Some people are able to fall asleep within minutes. I am envious of those people. For me, I'm more of a 20 to 30 minute type, but usually if you fall asleep within that window, I'm not too worried about it. Um, it's when people are pushing an hour or even going multiple hours that, that we consider them having an onset insomnia. Now, again, a very common cause of stress, anxiety. You know, if it's a chronic stress, chronic work issue, you know, personal issue, you got to resolve those. You've got to work towards a resolution or you're just going to continue to have sleep issues. Now, outside of stress anxiety, there are other things that can be doing this. One of the more common ones I see is caffeine use too close to bedtime. And that can mean for some people noon. Caffeine has a half-life of about 12 hours. So that means it takes it 12 hours for half of that caffeine to be gone from your system or to have been metabolized. So if you have 200 milligrams of caffeine at noon, which in today's world of energy drinks and coffee consumption, 200 milligrams isn't that hard to get to, by 8 o'clock that evening, you're still dealing with 125 to 130 grams or milligrams of caffeine. That's a lot of caffeine going through your system when you're trying to sleep. Now, some people do respond the opposite to caffeine caffeine will put them to sleep but those people are rare most people caffeine is going to be stimulatory and so you got to look at when are you having your last caffeine you know if you're needing caffeine to get through the day that's you know a completely different issue that needs to be worked on as well go back and listen to my fatigue episode but yeah try to keep your caffeine use to earlier in the day i recommend most people stop using caffeine by 10 o'clock you know, and if you're having a large amount of caffeine, you may even need to stop sooner or cut that dose down. Another common cause of, of can't fall asleep is changing sleep schedule. You know, where we live with with a lot of minors and swing shifts and things like that, a lot of them report sleep issues. They just say, you know, when they're off their days and moving towards nights or vice versa, they just can't sleep. Um, so that not having a regular sleep schedule really messes with the brain's circadian rhythm. Literally, the brain gets to the point where it doesn't know when day and night are. And so you really have to work to reset that rhythm. Um, now, if you're someone who works swing shifts, you know, or, or you know, works nights for a week and then you're off for a week, 
it's just something you're going to have to deal with and you got to find ways to um, reset things. Now, if, if you want to stay on your night schedule and keep sleeping through the day when you're off, great, that'll help. But you know, with a family, that's tough. So the things you can do, and this goes with a lot of sleep issues, but would be really make sure the area you're sleeping in is dark. Um, we really want to convince the brain that it is time to sleep. It's not day out. Like we almost have to trick the brain. Things like this is when I do think melatonin can be useful to reset that. We don't want to be using melatonin constantly, but it can be a time to kind of reset your rhythm there. And then just practicing good sleep hygiene, making sure we're sleeping in a a cooler room. Again, make sure it's dark. We're not using our screen. All the things we we generally hear for sleep um, will help you you on those changing shifts. Now, the last one I want to talk about for onset insomnia is not one that most people will have heard of, but it's one I see a lot, and that would be balance issues. Now, how that can come into play is you, if you've got this imbalance in your inner ear to the point where your brain feels like you're falling a lot, then you go lay down, now your brain might feel like it's falling constantly. So that puts the brain into a state of anxiety. That little bit of fight or flight can make it difficult to fall asleep. I have fixed a lot of people's sleep issues or helped them fix it by working on their balance. It's a simple thing to test. All you need to do is just stand up, feet together, close your eyes, and see if you feel like you're falling. Now do this in a safe place where if you do fall, it's you're not going to hurt yourself, but you know, a little wobble is normal, but some people literally, as soon as they close their eyes, they'll about fall over. You know, I've had to catch people in my office doing this test so they didn't fall over. You know, they'll have that big sway backwards and then they'll sway forwards. That's a sign of a balance issue. Now, there's lots of, you know, there's rehab that we do in the office for these type of things, but there are things you can do at home if this is an issue. All you need to do is start practicing balance, basically. Stand on one foot and just, do it as good as you can. Get as stable as you can. Do the other side. Now do it with your eyes closed. Just start working that balance center. You know, if you feel like you have a balance issue, get evaluated and there's there's more things we can do. There's a procedure I do in the office that usually we can reset balance pretty quickly. And this plays a role in not just sleep. Chronic back pain often is a balance issue. And that can be a cause of insomnia as well, would be chronic pain. So that that is something really to look at. If, you know, if you've looked at all the other things and nothing seems to be working, take a look at your balance. It can really make a big difference. Now, other things you can do, you know, if stress anxiety is a big part of the problem would be vagus nerve exercises. Um, Vagus nerve is our biggest rest and digest parasympathetic nerve, um, controls a lot of our relaxation. And so an easy way to stimulate it Two ways that I recommend would be gargling at night. Just take some water in your mouth, gargle until you gag, spit, do it again. Um, do that for a minute or so. And then also I really like 3-6 or 8-4 breathing. Now what that means is you breathe in for 3-4 four, four seconds, and then you blow all the way out through your mouth for 6-8 to eight seconds. And then you breathe in through your nostril, 3-4 to four seconds, breathe all the way out through your mouth for six to eight seconds. That is very, very calming to the system. Great way to relax, to just do that for a minute or two. Great thing to do if you're having an acute bout of anxiety. 
Um, but really at night, it'll help you calm things down. So the other thing you can look at to help you fall asleep would be binaural beats. That's spelled B-I-N-A-U-R-A-L, beats. Um, these are getting more and more popular. What they are is basically you, you take two different tones, um, you know, two different frequencies, and you play them at the same time. What the brain will do with that is it will create a third tone. Now, there's lots of ways that people use these, um, but sleep is a really common one. You can hop on YouTube and just type in binaural beats for sleep, and you'll find hundreds of videos. Usually with sleep, we want something in the 2 to 3 hertz range. Um, There's lots of different frequencies. And you can just turn this on on YouTube um, in the background while you're trying to sleep. And for some people, it's like a miracle. just completely puts them to sleep. So that would be something to look at too. Now let's talk about the other type of insomnia. Now this would be the insomnia where people are waking up and they can't go back to sleep. Or maybe they're just waking up a lot throughout the night. For a lot of people, the cause is blood sugar. What happens is, you know, maybe they ate a bunch of carbs right before bed, or maybe they haven't eaten in a while, and and both of these things can cause your blood sugar to drop. You know, if you eat a bunch of carbs, that blood sugar spikes, and then it, it can drop real hard. Or if you haven't eaten in a while, the blood sugar is just getting low because, you know, 2, 3 in the morning, some people, they haven't eaten for 10, 12 hours, even if they had an early lunch or, or an early dinner, excuse me. And so that blood sugar getting too low, the, the body says, hey, I'm going into a coma. I need to wake up and kicks out adrenaline. Now, when it does this, it wakes you up. The brain did that on purpose. The brain wanted you to wake up because it was starved of glucose and it wants to get things going. And we get those cortisol spikes and things like that. We don't want our cortisol and our adrenaline spiking in the middle of the night. Cortisol should spike in the morning. So an easy thing to try with this, if you're someone who's just like, man, I just wake up at 2, 3 a.m. every night. I wake up, I'm wide awake. Eat a little something before bed, but don't let it be carbs. It needs to be fat or protein-based. You know, an easy one that I have people do is just like a tablespoon of peanut butter before bed or a cheese stick, something like that. Now, for some people, this will completely take care of their sleep issue. You know, it doesn't work on everybody, but it's an easy thing to try. And I would say give it a week or two of trying it before you decide whether it's working or not. That's the most common thing that I see. Even for these people, I recommend magnesium. It can at least help them get better sleep. The other thing to look at would be what time are you waking up? Is it consistent? Now, some people, it's just like, no, I just, you know, wake up whenever, multiple times, you know, no real pattern to it. Some people are like, no, I wake up at 1.30 on the dot every single night. If that's the case, that's when I look to Chinese medicine a little bit. When you look at meridians in Chinese medicine, they each have a certain time of day. Now, meridians are energy pathways within the body. They correspond to organs um, and different things. So, The nighttime ones that we look at generally are the liver meridian and the lung meridian. The liver meridian is the most common one that I find out of balance. That would be 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. So if you're struggling with the liver issue, that can be causing your wake-up. Now, not everyone knows whether they're dealing with a liver issue, but sometimes the sign is that they're waking up in that time frame. Um, A lot of people these days are dealing with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, um, especially women. So that's one to look for. That's caused by insulin resistance. That can cause you to be waking up in that liver meridian time. So we look at that. We look at working the liver meridian. There are like acupuncture points that you can press and work on. If you just Google liver meridian, you'll find them. 
Um, the other meridian we, we tend to look at in the night is the lung meridian, which is from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. A lot of people, when they get like a cold or something, they'll be waking up in that time because they're coughing. Their lungs will get more active. Um, lungs are trying to heal. And so they'll wake up in that time frame as well. Smokers a lot of time will wake up around 3, 3.30. Um, it's because they have, you know, obviously lung damage from, from smoking. So look at those things as well. And then the other thing, you know, most common thing to, to cause this maintenance insomnia, waking insomnia would be, you know, a, a health issue that's, that's, you know, making them so uncomfortable they wake up. Acid reflux, chronic pain, um, overactive bladder is another one. Um, so, you know, if, if you've got those going on, then, then we know, Hey, that's, that's really what's causing it. So we got to address that issue. You know, if it's acid reflux, we got to work on your gut health, um, maybe some food allergies, you know, chronic pain. We got to work on your inflammation, get that going down. Maybe there's some food allergies there with chronic pain as well. You know, overactive bladder that, you know, very common, you know, issue as we get older or women in particular after pregnancies can have this. So, you know, you really just got to make sure you're addressing the cause. As far as supplements for sleep go, you know, magnesium is obviously my favorite. Uh, magnesium L3 and 8 in particular. So that OptiMag Neuro that I use in the clinic, um, you know, there's there's lots of different brands out there. That's the one that I prefer. You know, having a couple people take, you know, a couple before bed or there's a powder form that I like. I usually take that with some creatine before bed. Valerian root is another one that I really like for sleep issues. Stinks to high heaven, smells like feet, but it really can help calm you down. Those are the two that I've used the most. Some people have success with L-theanine or GABA. Now, GABA, you got to be careful with. If GABA, this is a supplement that you'll see, if it helps you, that's not necessarily a good sign. GABA is a neurotransmitter that, that we make naturally, but if it calms you down when you take it orally, that's a sign that your blood-brain barrier isn't stable. GABA should not cross into the brain. Now, there are some forms that attach it to a different molecule to get it across the brain. That, that's different. But if GABA by itself calms you down, you, you need to be looking at your blood-brain barrier and having that evaluated by, by someone who knows what they're doing. Um, that's usually a sign of a, you know an old brain injury or a gut issue. Things like that will cause that. So really, I, I tend to stick with magnesium and valerian root. Oh, and CBD. CBD I've had really good success with people using it. And I, you know, we use a hemp-based CBD, legal in all 50 states. It comes from hemp, not marijuana. Um, you know, unfortunately, if you're one that does get drug tested, it can test positive. So you got to be careful there. But CBD with some magnesium can be very, very effective. So I really like that combo as well. Hope this was helpful. I know there's so much more we can dive into on sleep. The key things are look at your stress, look at your anxiety, look at your nutrients, make sure we're eating well, make sure we're exercising. And just those aspects can go a long way to fixing your sleep. You know, other underlying issues that, that can take more time, but just eating right, exercising, staying active really can make a big, big difference. Get some sun in the morning when you can. You know, here we're, we're winter now, so not a whole lot of sunshine in the morning, but um, when you can, sunshine in the morning can help reset things as well. Hope this was helpful. Talk to you next time. If you're learning from and enjoying the podcast, please subscribe on both Apple and Spotify. You can also leave us a five-star review on both. This is a great way to help the podcast grow. If you have any questions for me, please reach out to me on Twitter at Dr. Rich Huntsman.
Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Take Back Your Health with Dr. Richard Huntsman. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the next episode. The information provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. The content presented here is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical question or before embarking on any new health program.